The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link here with James Anderson, lead prospect writer at rotowire.com. James, you know, with my sleep schedule being thrown off by the KBO, got to be honest with you, this is kind of like my uh, late night right now. So if I'm a little doze, you know, a little dreary, a little tired, I apologize. Um, need to hit the hay after this. Yeah, I can't imagine, man. I appreciate you doing all that stuff on that end of things. Oh, and, no, uh, happy to do it. You know, I I am lucky to do what I do, so I'm happy to just tweak some things, change some things around. It's not like I have much, much else going on. Um, playing Super Mega Baseball 3 and, and watching some baseball. It's all good. Um, but I am a little tired at this point in the day. Uh, then yeah, sleep usually most of the afternoon, wake up and do it all over again. And plus, you know, you know, I'm not a big DFS guy. I'm more of a season long guy, but I have been playing DFS, of course, just as a way to help learn the player pool and 
learn the, the game a little bit. And I've decided that KBO DFS is actually the best DFS game out there. Uh, and that's because there's only 10 teams, James. Every game starts at the exact same time. Not all, you know, that time varies from day to day. But when they play, they all play at the exact same time. You know the lineups are out. Um, the games end at the same time. There's no that, you know, oh, i got to wait a couple hours for this next lineup to come out. They're all there ready for you. And uh, it's it's a nice little easy way to do it. Plus, you know, you look at the Vegas spreads and who's favored. It's It's pretty easy, and I'm not winning a ton of money, but it's, just really easy to uh, build some lineups that you think are going to be competitive. I dig it. I, I totally get that. I um, I used to back when I played DFS. I haven't I haven't played regular DFS in years, but uh, back when I did play, I think my favorite sport was uh, college football. Um, like I think it's it's good to just kind of get away from the the super super mainstream sports. Like you're never going to get an edge in like NFL or NBA or MLB. Um, but if you get to those sports where there aren't too many like actual experts who know the player pool back front, uh, yeah, I can see how you could you maybe get an edge there. Yeah, and with like only ten teams in the league and five games per day, like, there's only so many variations of a lineup that you can have. You know, like you. Can't, Obviously, you're not like it'd be hard. To, it's still hard to get like that perfect lineup, quote unquote. But you can still you can build a lineup, especially for like GPPs that you feel really good about, um, because there are so few options to choose from. Um, so I yeah, really for do sure. like that. Uh, how you been, man? We're going to talk about your article, but uh, you holding up? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah, um, dude, things have gotten crazy and. Hoping for some Major League Baseball, but we're going to be looking ahead several years with your article on this podcast, uh, talking prospects, and still continuing on with the Ranking Dilemma series, and prospects now in the 200 to 225 range. Brenton Doyle is the top name on the list. Uh, one of my picks in the RDI draft, because I got to use the Doyle rules joke. I used jokes. <laughs> Uh, loosely because it's not really funny. Uh, nobody laughed at it. But at the same time, Brenton Doyle, you know, you you say he's got some similarities tools-wise to Sam Hilliard. You caution that you may be too low on him. He was unranked. So I'm assuming you've seen him higher on, on other lists? No, I I honestly don't know. I, I, I don't look at many other lists. Uh, with any regularity, um, but I. But you get the sense just, that he's maybe climbing. Well, it's 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 more so just I can see how the the package would just really really pop in Coors Field if he gets there uh, and gets to have a an everyday role. Um, you know, unlike Hilliard, he bats right handed, so that's that's kind of a notch against him because it's tougher to break in as an everyday guy if you're right handed outfielder. But, um, you know, just the, the speed and the power, if you can get him to course field and get him regular bats, it could be just a, an awesome fantasy profile. Uh, so that's, you know, there, there's some temptation to have him a little bit higher just for that ultimate upside. But I'm kind of pumping the brakes. And as I kind of said in the article, there's just there's not a ton he could really do to change my mind on where I have him ranked. Um, 
across the stops at low A and high A, just given the conditions of, of those home ballparks. So um, I could see him just, I could see him like putting up monster numbers at low A, monster numbers at high A, and a lot of other people or a lot of other rankers reacting to that and bumping him up like inside the top 100 or something like that. And I don't see myself doing that. Um, so this is almost sort of a looking ahead. I could see myself being tempted to have him higher uh, over these next couple of years. But uh, the big test for him will come when he gets to double A AA and triple A. Uh, the strikeouts I think could end up being an issue for him in those, those upper levels, but he walked a lot. Um, you just you, you still can't really take much from what you did last year, considering he was 21. He's in the Pioneer League, but uh, really exciting package of tools for for Rockies prospect. And Richie Gonzalez, another guy who you caution you maybe too low on. Um, still 17 years old, right? So you know he was uh, you say a late bloomer, but it's kind of hard to be. <laughs> you know that's relative to others in that J2 class, right? Yeah, yeah. Like so he. He kind of really popped after he agreed to sign with the Astros, so he only got uh, three hundred and ten grand, which is decent money, uh, but not top of the class type of money. Uh, and he would have gotten a lot more had he been showing these tools when he was like fourteen years old. Uh, he's all re- now. He's six foot three, hundred eighty-five pounds, has plus speed, uh, should have at least plus power. Uh, I think the the tools with Richie Gonzalez are reminiscent to those of Christian Robinson when he first got into pro ball, uh, just especially when you consider their bodies, they're, they're very similar in that regard. Uh, he runs really well. Like I know he's kind of big, like 6'3", 185. That's pretty big for a 17-year-old, but uh, his running gait, like the explosive actions he has, like I just I, I think he's going to maintain that plus speed for, for a while here. And so I, I basically sort of said part of me wants to just really, really plant my flag uh, with Richie Gonzalez and have him, you know, 30, 40, 50 spots higher. But I still think I'm probably way, 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 way higher than anyone else on him. So I'm just going to leave him here for now. But um, he's kind of a this whole group, this uh, 201 to 225 group both on the hitting and the pitching side, it's really, really, really all about upside and extreme risk with, with most of these guys. Like there's a a decent amount of 17 year old hitters here that haven't played their first pro game yet. There are a decent amount of pitchers with significant bullpen risk, but electric stuff. Um, There are guys like Doyle, uh, who are older but have big tools and some hit tool concerns. So all these guys are risky, but Richie Gonzalez is is probably one of my favorites from this group if you're just trying to take an upside flyer. Nice. So you say, you know, Doyle, Gonzalez, you may be a little bit too low on. But on the other side of the coin, you may be too high on Josh Smith. Um, he was unranked at the end of last year, now up to 205. And Second rounder by the Yankees uh, in 2019. Then he played a rookie ball, um, fared pretty well, and you're confident that you know as he gets to more age appropriate levels, he'll be just fine. Well, yeah, I mean, I said I might be too high on him. Um, I he's kind of my kryptonite type of prospect, where he's a 
bat first, hit over power, second baseman. I this is this is kind of the type of guy that I sometimes fall for. And um you know, I, I know you give me a lot of grief about the the second base prospects. Uh he's kind of just that that quintessential I think the hit tool is amazing, but he's you know, he was twenty one, twenty two years old when he did that against short season pitching, so can't really read into it it's it's like a perfect batted ball profile perfect k to walk rates um just destroyed the competition um but he kind of should have i guess you could argue since he was coming from the sec um but it's you know i'm gonna gonna rate the the hit tool i I mean he might not even be ranked on some other lists just given his age and the fact he's a second baseman he's not gonna run a ton but um, I believe in the bat. I think the fact that he hits left-handed is a nice differentiator from your typical bat first, second baseman. But I could see a scenario where in like a year or two, he's like at double A AA or triple A and he's just like a league average hitter and I regret being so high on him. I see. So, can you hear me, James? Yeah, you cut out for a second. Yeah, I think the mic uh, was... The cord was coming out of the mic, but you can hear me now, right? Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was looking at Josh Smith. So, okay, yeah, he did play in the New York Penn League, Staten Island. Um, yeah, that's where he did tear it up. So, yeah, some time at Louisiana State. And then, yeah, he did play professionally after getting drafted last year. So, yeah, you know, obviously that second baseman talk, all in good fun. Uh, you've hit on several, but uh, you do – you do have a little bit of an irrational love for second baseman uh, with with the stick, and I get it. Uh, James, also, a guy like Bo Naylor, he's kind of been jumping around the list a little bit, um, up to 210, so he's been rising generally. Uh, Bo Naylor, you think a brighter future than, than Josh? I... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, like I said at the beginning of the article, this is still the tier. The tier that started at 162 with Alexi Planez from a couple of weeks ago, like that's still continuing here. So from 162 to 225, like I think all of these guys are in the same tier. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I have Josh Smith. I had a bow nailer, so I would take Josh Smith, but it's really splitting hairs. I mean, Naylor is a catcher who has been working on his defense. Uh, I had my doubts and I still have some doubts about him uh, being a good enough catcher to handle that position. But, um, you know, he's, he's a good hitter. He's got a good hit tool. Uh, the Indians don't really have a catcher of the future on the roster right now. Like Roberto Perez is great, but you know, three, four years down the line, I think they're going to be looking for another guy to, to step in. So, um, that could be his role, and, and I think the Indians are going to be loaded at that point, so it could be a good situation for him, but I think I'd, I would side with the the second baseman over the catching prospect, if all things are equal. I, just to be clear, was talking about Josh Naylor. Um, oh, didn't Josh. Make that clear, okay. but I, did, I assume they're related. That's, that's why I said that. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yep. little um, brother. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're... Well, was if only you're 20, 20 years old. If you're contending in a dynasty league, I might still take Josh Naylor just because he's up already, and uh, I mean he's he's probably going to get a shot at some point this year to play uh, at least like three or four days a week, and so Bo Naylor is a 
good two years away. So if you're contending, I would still take Josh, even though the shine's worn off him. But if you're rebuilding, I can see a case for Bell. Nice. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little surprised to see Tristan McKenzie still up this high, and actually higher than he was at the end of last season. He has you know gotten healthy, uh, at least supposedly since the end of last season. It was going to be headed to Triple A or to Double A rather. Uh, but it's been what two years since we've seen this guy. Yeah, a little, a little under two years. Terrible. I mean, the the worst kinds of injuries too, like he, forearm and back strains. Has not had surgery on either, to my knowledge. So you never know if those could pop back up. And I mean, he could be headed for Tommy John at some point in the next six months. He could get shut down again with back issues. But uh, the fact that the Indians are saying he's healthy, um, they were slow playing him. Like, and I, you could take that as like a red flag that they they didn't have him pitching in spring training games before the shutdown. But I 100% understand the strategy of of slow playing him under the assumption it was going to be a full season because there was no way he was going to be able to handle a full minor league season anyway. So it made a ton of sense to me to just keep him back and extended for for a couple months maybe and and send him off to, to an affiliate. But, uh, you know, all it would really take for him to really reestablish himself and jump back into like the 150 range would be four or five, six starts of, uh, solid stuff reestablish that the stuff is still there. Um, you know, make, make several starts in a row without any of those injuries flaring back up and he would bounce back up. So, um, he's a tough guy to rank for sure, but still has that number two starter upside if it all comes together. Very nice. Yeah, he's still very young, so I can I can see that. Uh, just a, a big unknown right now for Tristan McKenzie, what he is at this stage. But pulling for the guy. James, what can you tell me about Jonathan Classe, unranked to 213, not somebody I know much about? Like most uh, of the players. Well, he was uh, – he only got – 35k from the Mariners uh, in the 2018 J2 class. When he signed, he was listed at 5'8", 150 pounds. So you can kind of understand why he he didn't get six figures just at that uh, at those physical dimensions. But since then, he's improved from a physical standpoint. Um, he's he's added some muscle, but the big draw here is 70 grade speed. He's a burner, uh, probably going to be able to stick in center field because of that speed. And he, he stole a ton of bases in the DSL last year. I think I'll just steal a ton of bases at every stop. But in addition to the speed, he had really good walk rates, really good strikeout rates, uh, hit 300. Uh, there's going to be some, some pop there. It's not going to be like 25 homer pop, but you know he hit a couple homers. He's adding some strength. So I think he will be a double digit homer guy at some point. So, uh, Behind Noel B. Marte, the, the next best player on the Mariners DSL team was Jonathan Classe, and he's got the speed that we look for, and he had a, a really good approach. He used the whole field last year, so uh, he could be a breakout guy uh, if and when things get going this year. And Brian Abreu is kind of a guy we were talking about a little bit under the radar for a while, throughout most of the draft season. I got him in AL Labor with a reserve pick. You got him in, what, the Triple Crown AL with a reserve pick? Am I right? Um, yeah. so yeah, like a nice sneaky, highly skilled reliever. I know they're still talking about wanting to transition him back to starting 
At least pitching coach Brett Brent Strom said that. It kind of seemed like a, a project he was intent on seeing through. But you, you have him this high with the assumption that he's going to be a reliever, right? Yeah, this is kind of that uh, close to big league ready, likely reliever range. You got like Bruce Star Gratterall's in here too. He's cut from that exact same cloth where – uh, probably fits best in the bullpen for various reasons. And yeah, so Brayu, uh, I mean, you hear just a ton of stuff about guys like this in spring training where guys that we think are going to be relievers, their coaches will pump them up and talk about how they're going to be starters. And, um, you know, we kind of got to just believe the evidence to date and the evidence suggests he just does not have the command to start. And so, he could be a multi-inning reliever. I think that that's very possible. And that could be a weapon for them this year, especially with a condensed schedule and expanded roster. So he could be a guy that mops up, uh, gets some wins, maybe gets some two or three out saves. Uh, we've talked about the breaking ball. It's a monster pitch, at least 70 grade. So he's, there's a lot to like here. He's, he's big league ready. Probably not a starter, but I still think you're going to be able to extract some fantasy value out of him. Very nice. Yeah, I uh, I saw Tim. Uh, I think it was just like you know clips of him throwing, but yeah, he already did debut and just really looks like a maybe the next next big thing when it comes to setup guys and maybe closing down the road. I think a lot of people are going to be talking about Brian Abreu this year. Bruce Star Gratterall is he kind of in that same boat where, especially now that he's been traded, you see have him at this spot with the assumption that he's going to be relieving, uh, but close to big league ready and and ready to contribute. Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at the Dodgers 40 man roster, um, he's kind of the obvious heir apparent to Kenley Jansen, whenever Kenley doesn't have it anymore and they need to find a new closer. I think Gratterall could be like a top 10 closer, maybe even a top five closer. Who knows if the Dodgers will want to use traditional bullpen roles when that time comes. But, um, you know, anyone that's getting even double digit saves for the Dodgers is going to be valuable in fantasy. And I think that could be him in a, in a couple of years. Yeah. I like that. I, I, you know, with that team, yeah, I think Kenley's got a few more good years left, but in a few years that could be like the, the prime spot, obviously, and he could step right in. Uh, Ronnie Air Quintero, Ronnie A. Quintero, maybe, uh, unranked at 222, so another big riser here. Uh, what can you tell us about Quintero? He's got such a pretty effortless uh, left handed swing. He's, uh, Big time bonus guy from the Cubs J2 class from 2019. I think he got over three mil. Um, he's got he's going to stick at catcher. Uh, I think he's going to be really solid there. Um, maybe not a plus defender, but enough to stick there. But he could just be a, an absolute masher. Um, you know, just really really quick bat. Uh, explodes through the zone and already has plus power to the pull side for him and hits left-handed, which is nice for a catcher. Uh, so I'm just, I'm extreme. I'm about as high as you could possibly be on him, given that he's a catching prospect and he's like four or five years at least away from the majors. Um, 
if we were just if if we just took ETA completely out of the equation, he'd be a lot higher. But the reality is, even if he's one of the best catching prospects ever, he's at least four years away, um, and probably more like five years away from the majors. So this is about as high as I'm comfortable having him. But I just absolutely love the bat. And Mason Martin down at 221, guy you lowered, and you you kind of feel like maybe that move to lower him could be- come back to bite you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, he's a tough guy to rank because the the flaws are pretty obvious. Ton of swing and miss, uh, terrible defender at first base. Although he might be a tad better than Josh Bell, but um, he's. I mean, the power is undeniable. It's at least seventy grade power. He had elite hard hit rates at low A and high A, uh, like 34, 35%, which for, for those lower levels is, is elite. Um, and he, you know, he's, he's a little pull happy, but he also posts really low ground ball rates. So, you know, you can get away with that. Um, if you're, if you're pulling the ball 50% of the time, but most of your, most of your hits are in the air, that's fine. And it can turn into a ton of home runs. So there's a chance that he could just end up being one of these guys where it's like, you know, he's not going to hit for a super high average, but you also know he's going to hit like 35 bombs. Um, like could be like an Edwin Encarnacion type of thing. So I, I, uh, it's tough to rank him because he has some of the flaws that I hate the most. Like I just, I hate guys that strike out a ton. And I, I hate guys that could end up being DHs, but it's, you, you know, you also got to look at what he can do and he does have really prodigious power. Yeah, that's that is a little bit of a dilemma there. And I recommend checking out this full series for yourself, rotowire.com slash pod for a free ten day trial. You know the drill and you probably are subscribed. Uh, if you're listening to this, you should be. because uh, James does invaluable work. James, anything else you want to add about this before we talk a little bit uh about the upcoming MLB first year player draft? No. Uh, well, I mean, just, just again, I mean, if you're into upside, like part of what I try to do in, especially in the 200 to 400 range on my rankings is I just, I try to give you guys that you can chase upside on. And, um, you know, a lot of these guys aren't going to pan out like these 25 prospects. We'd be lucky if like even half of them, uh, have long big league careers, probably less than half, but, you know, you want to be chasing upside with those final spots on your dynasty league roster, and I think a lot of these guys will be unknown. Very nice. So, kind of, we we were going around and spotlighting different, you know, sections of the upcoming draft pool each week leading up to the draft. And this week, you wanted to talk about some some more prep pitchers. Uh, a guy you're lower on, Jared Kelly. You're higher on Alex Santos and Ricky Tiedemann. So, first on Kelly, why are you a bit? lower than the pack on him. Yeah. I mean, he's, you'll see him in like the top 10 on some draft rankings and some mock drafts. And I just, I can't get anywhere near there for fantasy. Um, So he's a, he's a prep righty from Texas and he's already in the upper nineties with his fastball, which I don't like personally. Um, if I'm taking a, a prep pitcher really high, I want it to be a projection arm where they're throwing, you know, like 93, 94, and they've got a good body, good athleticism, and you can project the fastball to eventually get up to like 96, 97. Uh, with Kelly, he's already throwing 98, and 
I don't, I mean, the track record kind of speaks for itself, right? Like you look back at uh, right-handed prep arms that throw 98, 99 in the draft and most of them break at some point and most of them need Tommy John surgery sooner than later. Uh, some of them just never really develop after that. Uh, he has a, he has good command for, for how hard he throws, which is a big mark in his favor. He has a really good changeup for a high school guy, but he also struggles to, to spin breaking balls. And I would, you know, I would feel more comfortable if the breaking ball was ahead of the changeup, honestly. Uh, I think, you know, you a lot of guys, you can either spin a breaking ball or you can't. Uh, changeup's a field pitch. You, you develop feel for a changeup over time. Uh, it's really impressive that he can already throw a good changeup, but um, I'm just worried about his inability to, to spin a good breaking ball, and then you couple that with the velocity. I just think there's way too much risk with him for to take him where I think he's going to end up going in a lot of dynasty leagues. And Alex Santos, you, you know, on the other side of the coin, you do like a lot. Uh, same with Tiedemann. Uh, what can you tell us about those two arms? So I have, I have Kelly ahead of these two guys, but not by a ton. Uh, Santos is a 6'3 righty from New York. Uh, couldn't get scouted this spring, but he's a he's a projectable guy with athletic frame, low to mid-90s fastball, plus curveball, changeups improving. Uh, so I like him a lot. And then Tiedemann, uh, 6'4 lefty from California. Again, he's projectable. Uh, Velo is, is increasing. He's sitting in the low 90s. Uh, room for more velocity there which is really good for a lefty. Uh, he already has a plus changeup and, um, yeah, expected to add more velocity. His stocks way up this spring. So, uh, those are two guys where I think you could probably get them like at the end of a first year player draft for dynasty leagues. And I think that they could really pop once they get into pro ball. Very nice. Well, anything else you want to mention prospect wise before we make our picks in the hip hop draft? No, I'm good. Let's do it. Nice. By the way, um, I forget his his actual. I don't know his actual name, but um, bored and lazy on Twitter was. You know, he made that Wu Tang uh, replica team in Super Mega Baseball. Maybe I'll have to make my hip hop roster in that game. You know, have yeah. uh, Raekwon leading off, maybe Nas in the three hole, E forty batting cleanup. You know what I mean? Maybe Tupac, mm-hmm. the, the ace of the staff. Who would be your shortstop? Maybe Lauren Hill. <laughs> I think she could cover some ground. You know, I, she's probably the Where most athletic Nas? looking at the team. I don't have much. I don't have much athleticism. Where does Nas slide in? I, I feel like Nas has to be up the middle somewhere. Yeah, maybe he's still there. I feel like he's shifted over to third. Maybe um, sure. at his age, you know, he was. Maybe he was, he's aged out of shortstop. Yeah, he's kind of. And Devin's, you know, he's kind of on the bench, and that's fine. But maybe <laughs> yeah. he's <laughs> Devin might be the skip. <laughs> yeah, player, player, manager. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm really liking the squad I have together. I do feel like I'll probably lose in the court of pub- public opinion, but time will be kind to my team. I'm confident <laughs> that this will stand the test of time. But James, am I up this week? First, I always forget because uh, I see the numbers yeah, and yeah. I don't remember who you're, picked. You're first. you're you're on the evens, so whenever it's an even week, you're up there. Oh, that's good to know. Okay, so I'm taking to fill. 
Let's see here. I guess I could put him in the East Coast spot. I kind of want to fill the Lyrissa spot, though. And I'm going to go with that for now. I can move some things around if I need to. Built in quite a bit of roster flexibility. I'm going to go with Talib Kweli. I uh, was a big fan of Black Star. That's one of my favorite albums of all time. But since you have... Actually, do you not have most F? No, you don't. I do not. For some reason, I thought you took most F. Um, well, I was going to go with a different... So I'll go with this song anyway, because it's kind of a hidden gem. Uh, it's off the album High Tech Knology. Have you ever heard that album, James, by DJ High Tech? I have, man. I, I went through uh, I went through a raucous phase where I was pretty much listening to all that stuff. Uh, yeah, but yeah, good stuff. High Technology was great. The Sun God with Common that was a great song. Oh yeah. Um, I think the it was called Theme from High Tech with Talib too. Um, nice. There's a lot of really good songs, but I'm going to go with Get Back Part Two. I think he's a natty guy too. Go Reds! Um, I remember him wearing some high tech is yeah yeah high tech goes. That's right. I think in the get back video he's wearing a red hat. Um, but anyway, yeah, I like to live a lot again. Black Star is just unreal, and uh, yeah, he had a what was the album with high tech that was was it Train of Thought or Reflection Eternal? Yeah, yeah, Reflection that's a great. Eternal. Yeah, that's really really good. I need to give that. Um, another listen because it's been many years but I recommend if you have not heard Black Star for whatever reason that's like a quintessential one quintessential album of all time so I uh, highly recommend that and just go through the discography of Talib I'm glad to be able to add him here he's, he's an underrated guy I think no that's a great pick I mean the the toughest thing for me is um, choosing like my final like east coast guy my final lyricist guy because yeah, tough. you could just go you could just go on for, for days with those guys and like like you said i mean most stuff hasn't even been taken yet uh i just think those are really deep spots uh so i'm, I'm waiting back there a little bit um but i, I, I really like, like most that. i might like most too but as a lyricist, I think thought Quali stood out like he just had that quality of lyricism that it was deep but everything also sounded really good, and you know he kind of had that that one standout tool that maybe most stuff didn't have. Dare I say, is are there any parallels you could draw between Talib Talib and Most Death, and then Andre Three Thousand and Big Boy, where Big Boy is like the quality and Andre is the Most Death? Yeah, kind of like one gets all the public praise but one's kind of the backbone carrying the group yeah yeah one's kind of more traditional like more of a traditional yeah. mc the other one's kind of more eclectic yeah one's kind of got that commercial appeal while the other kind of carries them with the with the meat on the bones you know what i mean so right. who are you taking uh, <clears throat> i'm gonna fill my final west coast spot i'm gonna take kendrick lamar uh I didn't expect you to take him, but on the other hand, I have no idea who you're going to take for your 2010 spot. And I could, could have seen you maybe taking him just to get those, those votes in your favor. Uh, so I, I can't let that happen because I don't really have a, a backup plan. I feel good about for the, for my last West coast spot. So he's, um, yeah, he goes with ice cube and Snoop Dogg now for my three West coast spots. So I feel, feel pretty good about that. Um, I know that you have not gotten into Kendrick at all, but, uh, I think his, 
his uh, first mixtape or his last mixtape, his Section 80 mixtape, and then his all of his studio albums uh, have been really, really solid, really consistent. And I think he is probably my favorite uh, current day MC going. Um, and then the song I'm going to pick for Kendrick is Good Kid off of Good Kid Mad City. Very nice, man. I I get it, and I uh, you know poor Mario Puig here at the office. He'd be he'd lend me some Kendrick albums. <laughs> Just you know, would end up returning him without giving him much spin. I did listen to him a few times, and it sounded good. I just it never hooked me. You know, really never really sank its teeth into me. And I need to give it another listen. I've promised I would give Kendrick a revisit, a nice lengthy revisit, but I haven't done it yet. Um, but that's, I have an ace in the hole for my last West Coast pick, so I'm not sweating that. I am sweating the 2010 spot a little bit. I'll tell you who's made a late charge into consideration for that spot is Doja Cat, James. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I'm a Doja Cat guy. Um, but I'm glad not, to see My wife, my wife loves that you're a Doja Cat guy, by the way. She, she thinks that that's a, a, a strong personality indicator that's great because i am awfully on board with doja cat and i've been on that train since you know before most people <laughs> you, were, you were early to doja cat yeah i was i mean i was on on that before it was cool and i'm glad to see she's getting some mainstream attention she's uh talented and so yeah i i am trying to figure out what i'm gonna do she's in the mix um but yeah most of what i listened to in the 2010s was artists that had emerged decades earlier but were still putting out new music and you constantly um make fun of me for that well i can't i so i mean i listened to more uh in the 2010s i've listened to much more stuff from the 90s than i have the 2010s but i just keep it with the classic stuff from the 90s i don't listen to washed up rappers new stuff yeah, see, I, I disagree with you on, the, on that, but teach their own. Uh, and maybe there is a, that window where the guys kind of like in real sports that kind of get to that point. I saw Ghostface is 50 years old, by the way. I saw that he had his 50th birthday the other day. And maybe at that point, okay, but I, I think those prime years extend longer than you but james always fun talking with you man uh all the best and thank you all for listening we'll be back with you next week on the rotowire prospect podcast
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.